pray that as we come to your word this morning, you'd be opening our eyes, cause our thinking to be in line with your will, enable us to stand firm as a church, help us to strive together, we pray, for the gospel. Show us how to do that, we pray this morning. Amen. Amen. What's your thinking? And you know the moment, don't you, when you've, uh, you've drifted off? Uh, when something else has got your attention up here, maybe it's a squirrel outside, a football parent, that kind of thing. Everything else switches off, doesn't it? Uh, you drown the noise out somehow. Your eyes, they start to drift off into the distance. And all of a sudden, you hear that voice, that voice saying, what are you thinking? We've been in the book of Philippians, the letter of Philippians, for a number of weeks now. And in this letter, Paul is helping the Philippians with their thinking. And he's been helping us the same too. He's shown us the mindset of Jesus, calling us to think like him. To have the same mindset that took Jesus from the glory of heaven to becoming obedient to death. Even death on a cross. And last week we were seeing we can either follow that pattern or we can turn from it. We can either follow Jesus' pattern of suffering into glory... Or we can find our glory in the here and now. We can press on towards the heavenly goal. Or we can end with destruction. And this week in Philippians chapter 4, Paul is taking all of that, tying it nicely together. And he asks us, what you're thinking? This morning, Paul wants to talk about our thinking. Uh, A penny for your thoughts. What's on your mind? To bring everything he has said so far to bear And connect it with what's going on in here. And the purpose of that is to enable the Philippians and enable us to stand firm. See, that's how he starts this section. Have a look at verse 1 with me. Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. Paul says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you who I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way. Dear friends, do you see Paul is saying, in light of everything I've just said, do this. See, this is where the rubber meets the road, where everything Paul has said comes to land for Philippi. As they face a future without him, how are they going to continue? I mean, when our minds are occupied with other things, uh, we can start to drift. Maybe you've been here on a Sunday morning and something's going on at home and you find it really hard to concentrate. We we start to lose focus, can't we? Uh, We can go off the path. Paul knows that. And so he says, in light of everything I've just said, stand firm. Don't budge. How are you going to do that? Well, Paul says, stand firm in the Lord in this way. And that way, it's all going to come down to what you're thinking. It's all going to come down to what you've got going on in here. And so Paul is going to help us realign our minds this morning. He's going to do that with three ways. We're going to tackle each one of these in turn. The first one, stand firm by thinking the same in the Lord. That's going to be verses 2 and 3. Then we're going to think, stand firm by being confident that the Lord is near. That is verses 4 to 7. And finally, stand firm by considering the gospel. That's going to be verses 8 and 9. Don't worry, I will say those again if you're taking notes. I see people frantically writing them down. 
But it's worth saying chapter 4 comes after chapter 3, which comes after chapter 2 and comes after chapter 1. We need to get that right. This means we need to have had the first three chapters of Philippians to make sense of what we're seeing this morning. Everything that Paul is saying today only can happen in the light of what he said already. That means this is gospel thinking. This is having the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So we're saying Paul is writing to Christians here. There are things in this passage that are brilliant. There are things that everyone, even the world out there, would love. But the big point is, they only come with the gospel. They only come as someone embraces the faith. Or as as Paul would say in this passage here, they only come as people are in the Lord. So if you're investigating Christianity this morning, it is great to have you with us. Have a listen, see what you think. But if you're a Christian here this morning, take this to mind. Paul thinks that what he is saying here is essential, vital for the Christian life. Let's have a look at the first point then, shall we? So the first point this morning, stand firm by thinking the same in the Lord. By thinking the same in the Lord. Throughout Philippians, Paul has been encouraging his readers to be one for the gospel. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 27 says this. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for for the faith of the gospel. See, Paul doesn't know whether he's going to ever see the Philippians again. But whatever happens, whatever happens, he wants them to conduct themselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. He wants the gospel to affect their living. And that's going to look like standing firm. That is the goal in chapter 4. Standing firm and striving together for the faith of the gospel. He's called the Philippians to, in their relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Now, just imagine the hypothetical situation. This is hypothetical, okay? This is not going on. Just imagine this situation. Two of our Sunday club leaders are having a disagreement. Never would happen, okay? Uh, Let's call them uh, Yodia. No one here called that, right? Or Syntyche, yeah? Good. Now, Yodia, she has been teaching Sunday club for decades now. She is a stalwart of Sunday club. She has a collection of OHP acetates. If you know what they are, you know what they are. Those little plastic things that you stick on top of the screen. She knows how things are done and always have been done. Okay? Syntyche, well, she, on the other hand, is as modern as they come. She uses PowerPoint. (laughs) It's time to bring Sunday Club into 2022. That's her slogan. You see, Euodia says that Syntyche, well, or as she now calls her so touchy, is being unreasonable. And Syntyche is saying, well, there's a real Euodia about Euodia's attitude, a real odio about it. They've kept it civil, but as they come to church on a Sunday morning, they have made sure that they arrive at different times. Uh, They've made sure they sit on the other side of this divide in the hall. And they make sure that the Sunday club rotor keeps them apart. It's outlandish, isn't it? You can probably tell where I'm going. Have a look at verses 2 and 3. I plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my dear companion, my true companion, help these women 
since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. You just imagine the scene. Uh, The letter has arrived from Paul, and everyone is eagerly sitting down to hear what their beloved apostle has to say. Uh, The reader, they start to read this letter out loud, chapters 1 to 3. Well, that's been a treat. Then we get to chapter 4, and suddenly, Euodia and Syntyche, they turn red in the face. It's a bit on the nose, isn't it? It's a bit embarrassing for Paul to name these two women. Just imagine if it had been you. Why does Paul do it? Well, it's because these two women are not living out the gospel. They have taken their mind off the goal. And that's not going to help them. And that's not going to help the church to stand firm. Now, it's worth pointing out here, these women, they're not known for being divisive. These aren't the constant grumblers. Instead, have a look at verse 3. They have been striving with Paul for the gospel. Now, that strive word is the word that Paul called the Philippians to do back in 127. I mean, it's the only other time, actually, that Paul is using this word. It's in connection to these women. They have been doing a good job. But something has happened, and that means they need to sort out their thinking. They need to change their minds. They need to correct their course. For the Philippian church to strive together for the gospel, for the Philippian church as a whole to stand firm, they need to do it together. In fact, through these two verses, Paul is using together words. uh, Words in the original language that mean togetherness. Uh, If you want to know exactly, it's words that begin with sin. Let me point them out to you. Uh, The first one is when Paul says, my true companion... Or he could say, my teammate. He's saying someone who works together with Paul. He asks them to help or to work together in this situation. Because these women, they have contended at my side. Together, they have worked with Paul. Along with the rest of my co-workers or those who've worked together with me. I mean, this whole paragraph, you have to highlight that. Uh, It all shines with togetherness. Working side by side, striving together. In fact, Syntyche's name even has the together word as part of her name, the sin there at the start. These two ladies, they need to be reminded to think the same in the Lord. They need to be encouraged to think the same in the Lord. Now, this isn't telling them they need to have everything in 100% agreement. This isn't saying they can't have a difference of opinion. Instead, this phrase, be of the same mind in the Lord is exactly what Paul told them to do back in chapter 2. In fact, turn with me to chapter 2. Let's have a look at verses 1 to 4. See if you can see what's going on here. Paul says, Philippians 2, 1 to 4, Therefore, if you have any encouragement for being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit, and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. See, these two women, Yodia and Syntyche, they should be of the same mind in the Lord. And what's that going to look like? Well, it's going to look like not putting themselves first, but in humility, counting the other more significant than themselves. 
It's going to look like uh, looking to the other's interest, not their own. It may look like using an OHP rather than a PowerPoint or vice versa. You see, whatever the situation is between these two, sorting their thinking out is going to enable them to move forwards. It's going to enable the Philippian church to stand firm. Now, as we read about Euodia and Syntyche, it strikes me, actually, that that is simply normal Christian life. I mean, we all have different preferences about how things should be done. We all care about different things, and we all have different opinions, don't we? But in those situations, as a church, we need to be asking, what you're thinking? So if we are to stand firm, we need to be thinking the same in the Lord. We need to think like Jesus. We can think like Jesus by thinking of Jesus. A church where there is infighting is not going to be striving together for the gospel. It's not going to be standing firm. Disagreement in a church is a weak spot. So this morning, a a direct application to us is to think of any situations you know of that need resolving. And work to do that today, this morning. And the only way that's going to happen is in the Lord, by having the mindset of Christ Jesus, by putting others above ourselves. As I say, if you're in that position this morning, we'll do something about it. But even if you're not, do you see here, It's everyone's responsibility. Every member of the church's responsibility to do something about it. And that is why Paul can ask others in the church at Philippi to get involved. So if we're going to stand firm, Paul says, think the same in the Lord. Well, the second way the Philippians are going to stand firm is by being confident that the Lord is near. That is our second point this morning. Point number two, be confident that the Lord is near. Have a look at verses four to seven with me. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, it may seem that there are multiple ideas going on here, a hodgepodge of commands for the Philippian church, or final exhortations, as the NIV seems to call it. But they all flow, actually, out of one idea. And that idea is that the Lord is near. Now, I've been struggling in my office to figure out whether that means Jesus' return is close, or whether he means Jesus is near to you, relationally. I mean, there are good reasons why it could be both. And it's actually possible, and I think it may be, that Paul means both. And he has said both in this letter to the Philippians as we've gone through. But the big point is that believing that both of those things are true is going to make a difference to your day-to-day. Last Sunday, Sam was up here with a harness. Do you remember that? As you go climbing, you have a harness that's going to keep you safe. You clip as you climb. But if you fall, well, you're caught. I remember abseiling down a rock face when I was younger. It's one of these things you do when you're on the southeast coast at a school. The first step you take off that ledge is the one where you're doing this. And then all of a sudden, 
you notice the harness has got you. You feel that tension on the rope, and your mind changes. Your mind changes, and it changes what you do next. In my case, I went from being the quivering wreck at the the top of the cliff to suddenly springing down it in only two jumps. I had a great time. Highly recommend it. Well, in this case, Philippians chapter 4, you can have confidence because God has got you. Just like a harness, God has got you. And that means, verse 6, well, you can rejoice. Just notice there, it doesn't say enjoy, it says rejoice. It's easy to think that the Christian ideal is to just grin and bear it. uh, To put on a brave face. That is not what Paul is saying here. In fact, Paul has already told us in Philippians that he has shed tears as he writes this letter. In fact, the key words again are, in the Lord. It can be really easy, can't it, to focus on our trials, uh, to focus on our hardships, to focus on our worries for the future. But we need to be asking ourselves, what you're thinking? See, when we catch ourselves uh, thinking that way, we can turn our minds to the fact that God has everything in control. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck you from his hand. Or as verse 3 reminds us, Our names are written in the book of life. And so Paul can say, rejoice always. Here we go, audience participation. When can we rejoice? How long can we rejoice for? Always. Kind of works, doesn't it? (laughs) You got the first one. We can always rejoice because we can always have confidence that God has got us. And so we rejoice even in the difficulties of life. Just as Paul did in prison back in Acts 16. Do you remember? He was singing hymns whilst he was chained up. Just as Paul is rejoicing right now in Philippians as he is chained to a guard night and day. When God has got you, you can have confidence. You can rejoice always. And you can be gentle in all situations. That's the next thing, isn't it? Now this word here, gentleness, it's it's hard to translate actually. But it is used elsewhere of being in control. It's used of people who are confident in the situation, who don't have to lash out or assert their power. Because God has got everything in hand, you can be confident. And that's going to show itself in all situations. Just notice that all word there. That means all people. Not just the ones that you find it easy to get on with, but also the ones who are not gentle to you. In fact, the ones who are unreasonable. Uh, That situation at work. That annoying mum at the school gate. That person who laughs at you because you're a Christian. If God has got you, then you have no reason to retaliate. You don't need to one-up them. You can be confident that the king of the universe, the one who is exalted to the highest place, has got you covered. And verse 6, that means you don't need to be anxious about anything. I mean, it can be easy to be anxious, can't it? Uh, When we don't feel in control of things. In fact, if I was just to say, don't be anxious, makes you a bit anxious, doesn't it? (laughs) It's good though, isn't it, that Paul doesn't stop there. Instead, he gives you the answer to anxiety. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. The way to be anxious about nothing is to pray 
about everything. The way to be anxious about nothing is to pray about everything. If we are confident that the Lord is near, we can cast our burdens onto him. As one person says, pray and let God worry about it. We've already seen this in Philippians, actually. Uh, The Philippians, they are anxious about Paul. Their friend, he's been arrested. He's been put into prison. That is why Paul writes his letter to them. Uh, We saw back in chapter 2, verse 20, that Timothy was anxious. That's the same word there. Anxious for the Philippians. And in all those situations, Paul says, pray. In fact, that is exactly what he and Timothy do at the very start of this letter. They pray for the Philippians. And as he prays, he uses three different words for prayer in that passage. Did you see them? He says prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. I mean, that's every possible kind of prayer, right? For every possible situation. You can pray with thanksgiving in all situations because God has got it. And by doing that, we can experience the peace of God. In anxiety, it can be crippling, can't it? as we worry about the finest details. And even if we tell ourselves, don't be anxious, we still lie in our beds, running that situation again and again and again through our heads. It can cause you to be distracted. It can turn your attention elsewhere. So this morning, what are you thinking? See, Paul tells the Philippians, he tells us not to be anxious, but in every situation to pray. And as you do that, as you're confident that the Lord is near you will find the peace of God when you know that God hears and you know that God is in charge of all things. That's going to keep the Philippian church standing firm. That is going to cause Christchurch Hemel to stand firm. As together we all commit things to God. That's why our prayer meetings on a Sunday night are so important. It is then that our hearts and our minds will together be guarded in Christ Jesus. It is then that we won't get distracted. It is then that we will boldly press on for the gospel. So this morning, let me ask you again, what's your thinking? We can be confident that the Lord is near. Jesus is on the throne and every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Or to put it simply, Christ alone is on the throne. And we're waiting for him to return, aren't we? Sam reminded that, that uh, to us earlier. Christ is going to return. He's going to transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. That is going to happen. And there is nothing that's going to stop that. We can be confident that God will keep his word. And so we can rejoice in all situations. We can be gentle with others. We can hear those words. Don't be anxious about anything. We can have the peace of God that transcends all understanding. We can together be guarded in our inner lives and our inner thoughts, in our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And together we can remind each other that we can have that confidence. Because it's really easy, isn't it, to forget those things. Paul is writing this letter to remind the Philippians of those things. And we're not any better than they are. We can go through moments when we forget that Christ alone is on the throne. That is why we need each other. That's why we need to be together. We strive together for the gospel. And so we help each other with this. It's so easy for our trials to take focus. 
It's so easy for concerns to crowd out Christ. So easy for the moment to get the better of us. In those situations, we need someone else to take our eyes and point them off ourselves and point them back onto Jesus. And every single one of us here this morning can do that for someone else. So when someone seems down, when someone's not here on a Sunday morning, who we'll ask them, what are you thinking? And you can remind them that we can be confident that the Lord is near. And finally, final point this morning, final thing that's going to keep us standing firm here in Philippians 4 is by considering the gospel. Verse 8 is a fridge magnet verse. Do you know what I mean? It's the kind of verse that people print and they stick on their fridge. Perhaps you have it on your fridge. It's a memorable verse, isn't it? And so it should be. But what does it actually mean? Well, it's important we connect verse 8 with verse 9. You never take a Bible verse out and read it on its own. Let me read verses 8 and 9 together now. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. You see, Paul is still talking about what we fill our minds with. He's still asking us, what's your thinking? And what he calls the Philippians to do is to fill their minds with whatever. There you go. No, that whatever is carefully defined, isn't it? See, this is not just happy thoughts. It's not just whistle whilst you work. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. But the thing that ties all that together is verse 9. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, or seen in me. What Paul is saying in these two verses is this. Consider the gospel. That is what Paul has been teaching. That is what Paul has been living. That is what is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable. That is what should be governing our lives as believers in the Lord Jesus. That is exactly what he said back in chapter 1. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So this isn't mindfulness. This isn't just thinking happy thoughts. This isn't a grin and bear it passage. This is a fill your mind with the gospel. Or end of verse 8, think about. Or better yet, consider such things. Have the same mindset as Paul who considers everything else a loss. Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. The same mindset that considers everything else garbage because you have Christ. This is following Paul's lead. This is following Paul's example. Not because Paul is special. Not because Paul is a wonder kid. Simply because this is Christian living. Because Christ Jesus has taken hold of Paul, Paul lives like Christ. And that is a Christian. Someone that Christ Jesus has taken hold of. Paul is a Christian. Therefore, he lives like Christ. Uh, what he has taught, what he has given, that is the gospel message. What he said, what he's shown, the way he's lived his life. Both Paul's teaching and Paul's living, they both model the gospel. And he wants that to be the same for the Philippians. He wants that to be the same for us this morning. It's easy for the gospel to just be head knowledge, isn't it? Uh, Jesus died on the cross, yes. Yes, I agree. 
Uh, Jesus is the king over everything. Of course. But there needs to be a connection between this and this. It needs to work itself out in our lives as well. See, when we truly believe something, it's going to change our actions. It gives us confidence to live God's way. And so Paul puts these really important words, four words in the middle of verse 9. Have a look at verse 9 with me. Middle of verse 9, he says, put it into practice. Don't just know the facts. Don't just leave it as head knowledge. Let your thinking affect your action. Connect your head to your heart. And in doing so, we can be confident that the God of peace will be with us. This connects it all together. As we think and live the gospel, we can be sure that God is with us. We receive his peace. We are content in every situation because we have it all. And because we have confidence, we can live in this world knowing that God has got us. So we press on together, working side by side because the king of the universe has got our back. We stand firm in this way. If you were to ask Paul, what you're thinking? He'd say, well, I'm thinking of Christ. He is filling his mind. He's filling his thoughts with the gospel. And that changes how he lives. So let me ask you again, what you're thinking this morning? We have many things that enter our minds, that get put into our consideration, into our thinking each and every day. Before working for Christchurch Hemel, I used to work for a division of a big media company that was all about getting adverts into your life, trying to persuade you to do this or to do that through marketing. Here's the stat we used to roll out every day. Did you know the average person sees between 4,000 and 10,000 adverts a day? And most of the time, you don't even notice it. That was part of my job. Let alone the news alerts, the Instagram posts, the radio jingles, and everything else. There were so many other things out there that were trying to make you consider them each and every moment of the day. But how much do you think about the gospel? How much time do you deliberately take to consider Christ? People who study the human brain, they've shown it programs itself to default to things it thinks about regularly. We develop habits based on what we think about most. Let's have a quick MOT for our minds this morning, shall we? How would you answer this? What do you fill your mind with as the day begins? Uh, Do you reach immediately for your phone and start scrolling? Or do you reach for your Bible? What are you thinking? When you finally have a free evening, uh, what do you do with it? Do you turn on the latest reality TV show and all the adverts that come with it? Or do you read a Christian book? How much of your brain do you fill actively or passively with Facebook, uh, YouTube subscriptions, newspapers? When you meet up with another Christian, what do you talk about? The weather? The kids? Or last Sunday's sermon? Now, don't mishear me. I'm not saying having time off is a bad thing. Of course not. But it is really worth, really worth thinking, what am I filling my mind with? We want to fill our minds with the gospel. That is how you're going to stand firm, Paul says. So what are you thinking? Verse 1 again. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. In light of everything I've said, Paul says, stand firm in the Lord in this way. 
for the Philippians to stand firm and continue, they need to be asking, what are you thinking? As the prospect of not having Paul around anymore looms. Well, the Philippians, they can continue by thinking the same in the Lord. By being confident that the Lord is near. By considering and practicing the gospel. And the same goes for us too. As we at Christchurch Hemel continue forward. If we're going to stand firm, not budging, not being knocked about, well, we need to sort out our thinking. We need to be of the same mind in the Lord. We need to be confident that the Lord is near. And we should be considering the gospel. Or as Paul's been saying throughout this letter, we should be having the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And we do that together. We strive together as brothers and sisters. We press on towards that goal. We stand firm. So let's start as we mean to continue, shall we? Let's start as we mean to continue over tea and coffee. Simple question for you today to ask the person before they ask you. Just ask each other what you're thinking. And then help each other think more of Christ. There's your task for tea and coffee. But we need God's help to do that. So let me pray for us now. Heavenly Father, we ask for your help to guide our thinking this morning. Help us as a church to stand firm by thinking the same in the Lord. We pray that any situations we're aware of this morning would be dealt with. And that you would help us to help each other to be united for the gospel. And we pray that you would give us confidence that you are near. That the Lord Jesus who reigns over all is returning to put everything right. Give us confidence that you have got us right here, right now, so that we can rejoice, be gentle, and not be anxious about anything. And we pray that you would help us this week to consider the gospel, to think of that which is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, and admirable, to put that gospel into practice in our lives. And as we do all that, we pray that the peace of God which transcends all understanding, would guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Father, we ask for your help to stand firm in him. Amen.